So this morning, we're going to be talking about loving your enemies. And um, please forgive me because this is kind of put together last minute. (laughs) Um, But uh, it's something that's been ruminating for a while, and I've been gathering verses and thinking about it. something that I've been chewing on. Because um, I was going to preach on this back when the Sunday that Joe Castaneda was here, and Joe had reached out to us and said, we can preach. And I was like, oh, and he said that Sunday was available. I was like, yes, please take that Sunday. I don't want to preach that yet, because I feel like I don't fully understand loving your enemies yet. It's something that I just want to talk with you guys about today, because I think it's something that we all need to think on and and chew on, and what does that look like in our life? Because I think that there's a lot of times that teaching about loving your enemies in the church, and I'm not saying necessarily here, but the church at large, it happens, and I'm seeing it, the the fallout of it in a lot of people, um, is just this blanket um, love and forgiveness that... Uh, keeps people in abusive situations as well and things. And so, um, you know, I'm, we're going to talk about it. And there's a lot of, there's a lot of nuances. We're going to talk about forgiveness and things like that. So we're going to, we're going to get through it. And if you have any questions afterwards, um, talk with me, but, um, but it is a radical thing to love our enemies that Jesus is asking us to do. And so um, we're going to talk about that because that is what shows Jesus in the world. So um, loving your enemies. Most of today is going to be out of um, like our base verses that we're going to be going through is from Luke chapter 6. And then um, like I tend to do, there'll just be a lot of verse heavy stuff, but it's going to, and we'll just kind of interject it in between. So um, we're going to start with Luke chapter 6. And, oh, let me turn this on here. Here we go. Um, Luke chapter 6, and um, we're going to be mostly going between uh, verses 27 to 37 and just kind of work our way, work our way down. So verse 27 says, But I say to you who listen, love your enemies. Do what is good to those who hate you. We're just going to go through verse by verse. So, love your enemies. Who is your enemy? In Jesus' day, the enemies were the Romans. They were the occupying um, government. Uh, You know, the Jews, they were still living in Jerusalem. They were still living in Israel. But they weren't in charge. The Romans were in charge. The, um, you know, they were, they were abused um, it treated badly. They were killed, tortured. Um, you know, they always lived under that oppression. Um, Gentiles, people that weren't Jews were enemies, um, of, of the Jewish people, uh, religious leaders, you know, towards Jesus, the religious leaders, people that, uh, believed, did not believe Jesus was the Messiah, obviously were, would have been his enemy. And then there were people just like thieves, you know, that would um, 
as you're traveling somewhere would, would, uh, you know, jump you and steal your things, think the good Samaritan um, would be your enemy. So those are just kind of some of the things in Jesus's day. Our enemies, um, you know, we live in America. We don't have an occupying force like the Romans. Um, but our, our ideas of enemies tend to go, can kind of go to two extremes. So we can, or I don't know if I want to use the extreme, but like at one end, we might think of people that abused us, people that hurt us, people that bullied us, people that stole something that belonged to us. And then we have maybe what you might call our everyday enemies, you know, the person that um, says mean things to you, um, who, uh, you know, that they're, they're rude, um, they maybe, maybe you consider someone of a different political party, your enemy, people who are against um, Christians and, or what you believe and may slander, uh, people who, so for instance, I could consider my neighbor, my enemy, um, my neighbor doesn't, uh, abide by our property lines and has two vehicles completely parked over our property line. Their pool is halfway over my property line. I was joking with Jonathan that I could just go and swim in like the third of the pool that's over my property line. I could consider them my enemy. I haven't even talked with them yet about the property line because I've been struggling and working through with how to love my enemy. How do I love my enemy? How do I show love to them without um, hurting my witness for Christ? But yet, we have boundaries, you know? I, we're, we also have boundaries. So it's not right for them to be over my property line. But do I go in guns a-blazing, or do I seek the Lord for a peaceful solution to go in and talk with my neighbor about them stepping over my boundaries? And that's a physical boundary, but then we've got personal boundaries that people step over as well. And we'll talk a little bit more about that in a bit. So... Lots of nuances. There's not a blanket thing. But this is the direction we're heading, and um, we need to seek God in it. So uh, we need to show kindness in our actions and actively do good to those who hate us. That's what verse 27 is saying. And in these next verses, it shows us more of what it looks like to love our enemy. The next verse, verse 28, bless those who curse you. Pray for those who mistreat you. This is important, and it's a good step towards loving your enemy, blessing and praying. When you don't know how you can show love to someone who has hurt you, start with prayer. With praying blessings and wanting good for them. This is what Jesus did, you know, as he hung on the cross and said, um, Father, forgive them. They don't know what they're doing. This is what Stephen did when he was martyred. Father, forgive them. If you're being abused, this is something that you can do from a safe distance. 
You don't have to stay in that situation. It's something you can do from a safe distance and praying um, for the person who's abused you. In Romans twelve fourteen, Paul says, Bless those who persecute you. Bless and do not curse. We don't want to curse and wish harm in any way on anyone. And we don't want to speak ill of people. Matthew five forty four to 45 says, But I tell you, love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you, that you may be children of your Father in heaven. He causes his son to rise on the evil and the good and sends rain on the righteous and the unrighteous. And that sounds like blessing to me. God is blessing the righteous and the unrighteous. Uh, Luke six thirty five says that he is gracious to the ungrateful and the evil. And that reminds me also a lot of Nineveh, Jonah and Nineveh. You know, God is gracious. He wants all to come to him. So who is our real enemy? So people do, can do awful things to us. But who is our real enemy? Who is behind um, that struggle? Ephesians 6 to 12. For our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the cosmic powers of this darkness, against evil spiritual forces in the heavens. First Peter 5.8. Be sober-minded and be alert. Your adversary, the devil, is prowling around like a roaring lion, looking for anyone he can devour. And he wants to devour us. And this is why it's important that we don't give in to the tactics of the enemy by hating our enemy, by, yeah. But we are to love our enemy. This is our real enemy. We need to adjust our perspective. And um, it doesn't mean that what people are doing to us is okay, because we can see what's going on behind. Again, still, we have boundaries. Um, but we see it helps us to like rise up and see a bigger picture of what's going on. And for some offenses, it can just kind of deflate and take some of the, the rise and offense out of that. Verse 29, if anyone hits you on the cheek, offer the other also. And if anyone takes away your coat, don't hold back your shirt either. These are examples of how we respond to those who curse, uh, curse you or hurt you. You turn the other cheek. And we often think of this as if, what if someone physically hits me or is violent towards me? Um, you know, then I turn the other cheek and they hit me. It generally, we're not in those situations. And so I think what Jesus is, is saying here and what's, um, I mean, there are times of those situations, but I think what in generally it means to not attack back and to not be defensive. And how many times in our everyday lives, you know, do we have somebody that might say something snarky to us and we automatically want to be defensive back, whether it's 
someone in our own home or someone out and about or the person that cut us off or, you know, was, was rude to us, the clerk at the store that was, you know, rude to us or whatever that we want to attack back or, or to be defensive. It means that we're vulnerable and open. All of this stuff is us being vulnerable, very vulnerable and open. This is like an expression of doing good to those who hate you, keeping a soft heart and not being hard-hearted, resentful, or retaliatory to them. We need to do this with genuine love in our hearts, not legalistically. And of course, wise and appropriate boundaries and um, being safe. And sometimes we do this from a distance. Again, we talked about, we talked about that. Romans 12, 17 to 19. Do not repay anyone evil for evil. Give careful thought to do what is honorable in everyone's eyes. If possible, as far as it depends on you, live at peace with everyone. Friends, do not avenge yourselves. Instead, leave room for God's wrath. Because it is written, vengeance belongs to me. I will repay, says the Lord. That is good. I think a lot of times we want to avenge ourselves. And God says, leave space for that. He will avenge. So don't repay evil for evil. The second part of verse 29 uh, talks about your shirt and your coat. Matthew 5.40 also says, And if anyone wants to sue you and take your shirt, hand over your coat as well. At that time, the, you know, you've, you've seen pictures. They've got like their outer cloak over their, their garb. So their, their cloak was important. Their outer garment was also used as a blanket as they were traveling. This was an important thing to have your outer coat, your garment. And so it's part of giving up even your needs for your enemy and keeping the peace with all. Verse 30 says, give to everyone who asks you and from someone who takes your things, don't ask for them back. This verse takes it from shirt and cloak to anything that someone takes from us. We don't demand it back. And I feel like this is a foreign concept to us. Um, I don't even know what to do with this exactly. Honestly, because it is not how we really live in this world. But if we trust God with our provisions and hold things loosely, then we have no need to worry. And maybe our item was taken, um, but God will still provide for our needs. And we may not get the item back, but we are still secure in God's love and his provision. Can we love that person by praying and blessing them. We don't let their actions determine our actions. Where boundaries come in all of that, I honestly don't know. But that's why we read the scriptures and we sort through and we pray and we seek God on these things and we take time to seek the Lord and see what he wants us to do. Verse 31. One moment. I'm going to take a drink.
Josie told me this last week that I don't have to announce every time I take a drink. And I just did. <laughs> she's not here. But she's probably watching online. Josie, I announced that I took a drink. She's in Canada. Um, she's like, just breathe. You girls, just breathe. It's okay. You don't have to announce it. <laughs> Moving on. Verse 31. Um, just as you want others to do for you, do the same for them. Um, Romans 12, 20 to 21 kind of expounds on that. But if your enemy is hungry, feed him. If he is thirsty, give him something to drink. For in so doing, you will be heaping fiery coals on his head. Do not be conquered by evil, but conquer evil with good. And this um, passage in Romans is referencing a passage in Proverbs 25. So not being nice... um, we're not being nice because then we will heap fiery coals on someone's head. That's not our motivation. Um, they, someone may feel shame for their behavior towards us when we're kind um, and loving, but that's not our motivation. That may be a result, um, but that's not our motivation. You know, you hear some people know, oh, I'm just going to be nice, and that's like heaping fiery coals on their head. Like, no, that's not the heart of God. We're nice, and then that's part of... Um, if I'm rude to someone and then they're kind to me, I like feel shame for being rude to this person who's being so loving to me. You know, like, oh, I lost my temper with them. They're just trying to show me love. You know, it's that kind of a thing. So um, being kind and caring for our enemies, being motivated by love and not shame. We need to treat all people how we would want to be treated. We need to consider prayerfully what is good for them. And how, um, how we also are responsible in this and not enabling sin. I don't know how in all situations, but God does. And that's also, again, part of slowing down and listening to Holy Spirit in all of these times. Because we don't want to enable sin. That's not part of the kingdom either. Sorry, I don't have all the answers for you, but let's see. God does. So we'll keep seeking God. Verse 32 to 34. If you love those who love you, what credit is that to you? Even sinners love those who love them. If you do what is good to those who are good to you, what credit is that to you? Even sinners do that. And if you lend to those from whom you expect to receive, what credit is that to you? Even sinners lend to sinners. To be repaid in full. Matthew five forty six to forty seven is is the parallel with um, this verse in Luke, and it also says, "If you love those who love you, what reward will you get? Are not even the tax collectors doing that? And if you greet only your own people, what are you doing more than others? Do not even pagans do that? God is expecting more from us." The baseline is that everyone is um, the baseline that everyone is already doing is to talk to those who love you, to those who are kind to you, who are part of the same thought tribe. More and more isolation. Um, this is what people are already doing, and God is saying, "Do more." We're seeing, you know, people. Um, more and more, just talking to maybe people that are more. 
uh, in their political tribe or in their uh, specific belief tribe. We hear more about families, and maybe you have that in your family, you know, family members who aren't talking to each other because they disagree politically or on a variety of other things. And God is saying, that's not with us. We're talking with all people. We're showing love to all people. Um, yes, he's expecting more. And if you lend to those who expect, uh, who you expect to receive, even sinners do that. Here's back to that loose holding of our belongings. Lending or, uh, or give to anyone in need, even if you don't think that you'll be repaid. We trust God to provide for us. Pray about that. Talk with God more about that. Verse 35 to 36. But love your enemies, do what is good, and lend, expecting nothing in return. Then your reward will be great, and you will be children of the Most High. For he is gracious to the ungrateful and evil. Be merciful, just as your Father also is merciful. Matthew five forty four to 45 says, But I tell you, love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you, that you may be children of your Father in heaven. He causes his Son to rise on the evil and the good and sends rain on the righteous and the unrighteous. God is loving and he is merciful. And as his children, he expects us to do the same. He's our pattern. To be children of God means that we have his character. We are like him. So if we consider ourselves children of God, this is what we do. This is why it's important for us to be spending time with God, praying and reading scripture. The more we are with him, the more we become like him. We need to let him teach us how to be loving and merciful. Um, Verse 37. Do not judge, and you will not be judged. Do not condemn, and you will not be condemned. Forgive, and you will be forgiven. Let's talk about do not judge just a bit. Um, Further down in Luke chapter 6, Verses 41 to 42, it says, Why do you look at the splinter in your brother's eye, but don't notice the beam of wood in your own eye? Or how can you say to your brother, Brother, let me take out the splinter that is in your eye, when you yourself don't see the beam of wood in your eye? Hypocrite. First, take the beam of wood out of your eye, and then you will see clearly to take out the splinter in your brother's eye. So this is talking about judgments. And so, you know, in our own life, if, if I'm saying like, oh, she's so jealous all the time and I'm not looking at what is in, you know, in myself. Again, it's not enabling sin. It's not saying it's okay, but it's looking at ourselves inwardly as well. And then we can more, help our brothers and sisters in these things. Because sometimes, um, even in the church, people consider brothers and sisters enemies. And Jesus very much talks about not considering our brothers and sisters enemies. And um, 
We're very open to all other denominations, but there's some denominations that are very much not open to considering other Christians, their brothers and sisters. And, you know, so we just need to kind of take that, not judge. I'm not going to stay on judgment too long, but um, just examining ourselves as well. This is also another uh, part of scripture, though, that can be twisted in situations of abuse um, and people that stay in abuse because they're like, well, he has his issues, but well, I have mine too. I get jealous sometimes. Like, no, he's beating you. He's um, tearing you down. He's manipulating, you know, or... um, a variety of other situations. Um, she's cheating on him, things like that. It's not just always abuse coming from a man. It can be from a woman as well. And so um, that can get twisted so that people stay in those situations instead of removing themselves um, from them and taking care of it from a bit more of a distance. So hopefully you guys hear all my heart in that because I'm not trying to enable that at all. Forgiveness. I just can't do it. I can't take a drink of water without saying something. It feels weird. I took a drink of water. <laughs> like on the sound thing, they just hear gulping. Like, what is going on? I have to announce it. Forgiveness. Let's talk about forgiveness for a little bit. When we forgive a debt, we are giving up our right to repayment. They no longer owe us a debt. This looks like Jesus and the kingdom of God. Jesus tells a parable um, in our Bibles, they call it the parable of the unforgiving servant in Matthew 18, 21 to 35. So we're going to go through that. Then Peter approached him, Jesus, and asked, Lord, how many times must I forgive my brother or sister who sins against me? As many as seven times? Jesus says, I tell you, not as many as seven, Jesus replied, but 70 times seven. For this reason, the kingdom of heaven can be compared to a king who wanted to settle accounts with his servants. When he began to settle accounts, one who owed 10,000 talents was brought before him. Since he did not have the money to pay it back, his master commanded that he, his wife, his children, and everything he had be sold to pay the debt. At this, the servant fell face down before him and said, Be patient with me, and I will pay you everything. Then the master of that servant had compassion, released him, and forgave him the and forgave him the loan that servant went out and found one of his fellow servants who owed him a hundred denarii um, let me see if I have it yeah he grabbed him, started choking him, and said, "Pay what you owe so when I think about this, so already let's stop here already we have um have the king who is wanting to settle accounts and the servant couldn't pay the money back. He begged for mercy and the king forgave his debt. And that's like, um, 
like God. He forgives our debt. We owed a great debt. So then the servant goes out, and instead of extending um, mercy as he was shown mercy, he um, grabs his fellow servant and starts choking him and says, pay what you owe. So since I have to put in some picture of some sort, or Bree might be disappointed. Um, it reminds me of in Star Wars. I'm not sure if he was doing some kind of force chokehold, you know, but he was probably, you know, the other servant was begging him, please, please, you know, forgive me the debt. Um, or maybe it was more like in whoops, Lord of the Rings, where Smeagol was choking uh, Deagle to get his precious. He wanted his money. Well, that one Smeagol didn't. But the servant wants his money. He's choking him. We're going to go away from Smeagol's ugly and awful. We're going to go away from him. Um, but he grabbed him and choked him and said, pay what you owe. At this, his fellow servant fell down and began begging him, be patient with me and I will pay you back. But he wasn't willing Instead, he went and threw him into prison until he could pay what was owed. When the other servants saw what had taken place, they were deeply distressed and went and reported to their master everything that had happened. Then, after he had summoned him, his master said to him, You wicked servant, I forgave you all that debt because you begged me. Shouldn't you also have had mercy on your fellow servant as I had mercy on you? And because he was angry, his master handed him over to the jailers to be tortured until he could pay everything that was owed. So also my heavenly father will do to you unless every one of you forgives his brother or sister from your heart. Forgiveness is an important thing. And it's a serious thing. And this is the kingdom of God. Colossians 1, 21 to 22 says, once you were alienated from God and were enemies in your minds because of your evil behavior, but now he has reconciled you by Christ's physical body through death to present you holy in his sight without blemish and free from accusation. We were once enemies of God and he showed us great mercy. We are then to show that mercy to those who owe us a debt of any kind. In the Lord's Prayer, um, in Matthew 6, 12 to 15, it says, And forgive us our debts, as we also have forgiven our debtors. And do not bring us into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. For if you forgive others their offenses, your heavenly Father will forgive you as well. But if you don't forgive others, your father will not forgive your offenses. Serious stuff. Forgiveness is serious. And I think sometimes we're, thought, we're taught that when we forgive somebody who's done something to us, somebody who maybe isn't repentant in any way, um, you know, that that's okay. You just have to forgive and that everything's okay. And we do have to forgive. And sometimes forgiveness is a journey. And sometimes I have somebody that 
hurt me deeply. And every day when I pray the Lord's Prayer, I forgive them. And I pray for them. And my heart's becoming softer and softer and softer towards them. And that's what it is. Forgiving is different than reconciliation. So we can forgive someone, but that doesn't necessarily mean that we need to be in a relationship with that person. So obviously, if somebody's abused us, hurt us, we're not going to be in a relationship with that person. But we can still work towards praying for them, wanting them to come to know the Lord. Good for them. When we come to God, we confess our sins. We repent. We turn and stop doing that thing. And we are restored. We are reconciled to him. And I think that process is in our relationship with other people, too. And not everybody is interested in being reconciled and restored into relationship with us. But we can still forgive because we don't want to hang on to that bitterness. It's important that we forgive. But the relationship may not be reconciled and restored. And maybe it will be. Like I said, there's this huge spectrum of offenses from abuse to someone being snarky to you. You know, there's this huge spectrum and it's a process. So how does that look like in your relationships? Pray about it. Talk with the Lord about it. I'm happy to have more conversations about it. Ephesians chapter 4, verse 30 to 32. And don't grieve God's Holy Spirit. You were sealed by him for the day of redemption. Let all bitterness, anger, and wrath, shouting and slander be removed from you, along with all malice, and be kind and compassionate to one another, forgiving one another, just as God also forgave you in Christ. Colossians three twelve to 14, still talking about forgiveness. Therefore, as God's chosen ones, holy and dearly loved, put on compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience, bearing with one another and forgiving one another. If anyone has a grievance against another, just as the Lord has forgiven you, so you are also to forgive. Above all, put on love, which is the perfect bond of unity. Mark eleven twenty five. And whenever you stand praying, if you have anything against anyone, forgive him, so that your Father in heaven will also forgive you your wrongdoing. And in Matthew five twenty three to 24, it says, So if you're offering your gift at the altar, and there you remember that your brother or sister has something against you, leave your gift there in front of the altar. First go and be reconciled with your brother or sister, and then come and offer your gift. In Mark eleven twenty five, it talks about um, when we stand praying, if we have anything against anyone. And in Matthew, it talks about if we know that somebody has something against us. So either way, um, if we can, reconciling ourselves or um, with them, forgiving, or even if we can just, again, forgive that person that's offended us or hurt us in any way. Um, I like how John Whitaker says uh, in the listener's commentary about these verses in Luke, um, and I I used the, the listener's commentary. It was very helpful for working through a lot of this. Um, he says this, this is a radical teaching. These, Jesus doesn't just want us to know this 
or pretend. He intends for us to do it. He intends for us to be so loving that we routinely love all people, even those who aren't kind to us. We have to be so permeated with his love that love is what comes out of us when we are shaken by those around us. And that's the point of that whole section that we just went through in Luke. This is how we show that we belong to God and his kingdom. This is how we represent God on earth, love and forgiveness. I really think the church needs to do better. And stepping away from talking about abuse and forgiveness and showing love to our enemies. Um, there's things, and, and I'm going to address, I don't talk about politics a lot, but we're coming up into a next political cycle. And something that I hear in both directions is something something will, you know, happen or be said, and somebody says, you know, well, that sounds, sounds like a Democrat, probably because of the Democrats. Sounds like a Republican, probably because of the Republicans. I, I hear that both ways in um, my life. I work at the library, and so a lot of people from the public come in, and, um, you know, like, so I'll hear... I don't like to align myself with one political party because I'm aligned with God and his kingdom. So for me, I just, I don't like labels on me um, because I'm, I am part of Jesus. And that even goes down to like labels as far as evangelicals or anything like that. But I will hear people say things like, oh, it's probably because of evangelicals or, um, you know, it's those Republicans or it's those Democrats you know, and stuff. And being a Christian, you know, I kind of see that on the other side. It's like, even if I don't identify myself as an evangelical, it's still like this kind of attack, this feeling, you know, and, and I, I hear that and we don't want to do that as our brothers and sisters. When we do that here, that's our brothers and sisters. We don't want to do that out there either. Let me try to get my point across here. Our words need to be love. And you don't know what the person next to you and how they vote. And you don't know why they vote that way. Because our whole political system is messed up on both sides. So you don't know why they vote that way. You don't know what that specific thing is. You don't know if they vote Democrat or Republican and bite the bullet and swallow down the hard pill because this one issue is important to them or not important to them, you know, both ways. So keeping this in mind as we're going into this next cycle, loving our enemies, how these words come out of our mouth, um, because I think that that is a lot of how we represent God in this world is all about our love. And um, I don't know if that's being seen as well as it could be. So that's an important thing. We need to show love to all other people from other countries, other tribes, other beliefs, loving all. Loving all. 
that little bit of hippie in us, loving all. Okay. First John, let's go to First John, wrapping up. First John 4, 19 to 21. We love because he first loved us. If anyone says, I love God, and yet hates his brother or sister, he is a liar. For the person who does not love his brother or sister, whom he has seen, cannot love God, whom he has not seen. And we have this command from him. The one who loves God must also love his brother and sister. And not just our brothers and sisters, but our enemies as well. John thirteen thirty four to 35, our last verse. A new command I give you, love one another as I have loved you. So you must love one another. By this, everyone will know that you are my disciples if you love one another. This is what we're called to do. Love one another. Love our enemies. This is how the world sees God. This is how more and more people come to know him and are redeemed. It's important stuff. It's a lot of things to wrestle with. Go back. Search on your Bible app. You know, loving your enemy. Search up the verses. Pray. Ask God what that looks like in your situation, where you need to forgive, how you can forgive, how you can do that with still having boundaries and keeping yourself safe. And yet, in some areas where we can, keeping our things loosely, you know, like we talked about, sharing, giving, what does that look like? It's a conversation. This is part of the mystery of God. This is part of his upside-down kingdom. This is part of us learning more and more how to be like him. And what does that look like for us? So chew on that, wrestle with that. Um, I was putting this off for a long time, speaking about this, because I'm like, I feel like I don't have a handle on this. How can I talk about this? I don't understand it all. But um, I feel like conversations have to be started. So this is a conversation started. So I hope that all made sense. We're going to go ahead and pray. And then um, Jonathan will be up here to lead us in a last song, and I'll be up here. If you need prayer for anything, feel free to come on up. You can do that every every week. We don't announce that every week, but you know, anytime you need prayer, come on up, and we're up here to pray for you. Um, but just uh, seek the Lord this morning as we close in song. Lord, we love you. We thank you for the grace and mercy that you showed us. And Lord, we just ask that you'd show us how to show grace and mercy to others. You've forgiven our debt. Show us how to forgive the debts of others. Those that are brothers and sisters and those of the world, those that we may consider our enemies, show us, Lord. And please bring healing to us. Please bring healing to our hearts where we've been hurt by enemies. We've been hurt by people. We thank you that you're our healer. We thank you that you walk us through the process of healing. We thank you for giving us brothers and sisters to walk through healing with. We thank you that we're not out here alone, Lord, that you're with us and that you've given us the body, you've given us your body, that we're all a part of one another. 
We thank you that you're our head. That we're part of you. You're part of us. And Lord, as your, as your family, as your body, as your representatives, as your ambassadors in the world, grow us, mature us, that your love would abound. So we thank you, Lord. You are good. You are so good. We love you in Jesus' name. Amen.